The following program is furnished by Startup Nation Media Group. Welcome to this edition of Startup Nation Radio, brought to you as always by the great people at Pappas Financial. And speaking of great people, we've got we've got the man himself from Pappas Financial, Norm Pappas, on with us co-hosting today. Norm, welcome. Glad to have you here. Glad to be here. The voice of wisdom and reason, and well, I don't mean to put too much pressure on you, Norm, but uh, that's why yeah, we that's why are. we that's why we bring you on. All right, Norm, great show ahead today. I know that uh, one of the things we'll focus on today is if you want to be an entrepreneur, first you have to have an idea for a company and you got to start a new company or you need to buy a company and you need to then take that company and run with it, right, Norm? Uh, tee it up for us. Yeah, we have two great guests. One bought a company, was working for a very large company, wanted to be his own business owner, and the second had an idea and started it up from scratch. And these are very interesting stories. We'll enjoy talking with them. Okay, very good. Well, with no further ado, let's get right into it. We know our audience loves to hear from entrepreneurs who are out there fighting the good fight, meeting the challenges, overcoming the challenges, meeting with success, etc. And as you mentioned, we've got John Patrick. We want to get John right on the show. Uh, we want to give these entrepreneurs lots of airtime, make sure we get their stories out and to learn from them along the way as well. Now, John Patrick, welcome to Startup Nation Radio. It's great to be here. Thank you very much, Jeff, for having me on. Of course. And hey, Jeff. Yeah, go ahead, Norm. One thing about John that's unique, most of the people are entrepreneurs that we've had on the show. John came from a large company, decided he didn't want to work with anybody for anybody anymore, and bought a company and became a very good entrepreneur. Well, that's very interesting, and of course, that's part of why we wanted to make sure we told John's story. I know we have a lot of people out there who are in that situation who are wondering, hmm, could I start a company of my own? Could I do this? Am I an entrepreneur, you know, or do I need to keep working for the man in order to make a living? And so, John, tell us a little bit about your background, where you came from to Norm's point. Where were you before, and how in the world did you make the move to becoming an entrepreneur? Tell us, John. I can say that inside me, thank you, thanks, Jeff. I, inside me, always has been burning the desire to run my own company. And I originally come from Canada and did all of the studies in mechanical engineering. I did an, a, a business degree, and then uh, I, but I always, and even when I did my business degree, it was entrepreneurial studies. It was all about. Since I've been 13 years old, I've wanted my own business. It's because my father's best friend owned his own business. I thought it was so cool to own your own business. So, uh, and then uh, I grew my career until about, and I finished my, uh, my business degree and wanted to uh, start my own business, started looking around, what can I acquire and all that. And then lo and behold, this company approached me and said, would you run our company? I went, hmm, maybe it's better if I run someone else's company for a little while before I go off on my own. So I did that and they seduced me on and on for 20 years. It was a yeah. wonderful journey yeah. because corporate was in Europe. Mm. And uh, therefore, I was really running my own company. Yeah. The beauty of that, let me just make that point clear. The beauty is you got you get out of business school, you get your formal education and training, and then you're going to start a business of your own. But instead, you get to effectively run uh, someone else's business, but you run it as an entrepreneur. You're the guy running this office here. The headquarters is back in Europe. You were running the company and learning your entre- getting your entrepreneurial chops down as a result on someone else's dime, right? Exactly. Exactly. That was the logic there. So I might as well go learn and make all my mistakes with someone else's money. And uh, and this scenario was ideal because Europe rarely came to North America. I pretty much ran it like my own business. So it was a lot of fun. And it grew and grew and it grew and all the way to Chicago and then all the way to Detroit. And that's what brought me here. 
And finally, I said, there were some changes going on in Europe where they took away some of that freedom I had. Uh, they were trying to control all their subsidiaries. I said, ah, enough of that. I said, now is the time. And I said, Ray Kroc did it at 51. <laughs> I'm 51. I'm going to do it. Wow. Interesting enough, it's common for people at that age to do that. Yeah. Well, you were fortunate to, you know, it's one thing if I laid out a plan, I want to work for someone else first, but you, you know, uh, I don't want to say it fell into your lap. I'm sure you earned it. You were the right guy, but what what a blessing to have that opportunity first and have it run for that long and cover you and then be able to do your own thing. Now, Norm, you had a question. Go ahead. Yeah, John, how many employees did you have at the big company and how many did you have of the company that you bought when you started? We went from about 150 at the time to 23. It's very humbling to go from, you know, every, everywhere I went all over North America, I'd meet our distributors, they'd roll out the red carpet. I was super, I was an important person coming into town. And now I'm 23 uh, employees and nobody cares less about who yeah. I am. <laughs> yeah, but you own the company, right? The upside was yours. All worth it. All worth it. Yeah. So let's talk about how you made that transition. Again, it's one thing to say, just like before, hey, I'll map it out. I'll start at someone else's company and then do my own thing. And then again, you had this transitional moment where you worked at the big company for 20 years. You were paid by somebody else. You ran it like an entrepreneur. And now you said, it's time for me. Ray Kroc did it. It's time for me to go start my own business or buy my own business and run it on my own. But you got to find the business, right? You got to find the right things. How did that transition happen? Well, that was interesting. I obviously approach all, I can go through a long list of but bridges, brokers. Uh, I wasn't into getting a franchise. I wanted to do it my way. So I was very, I, I felt pretty comfortable running businesses. So I didn't feel like I needed that franchise help. So I looked at, and I went through bankers and I went to see what they had, accounting firms and see what they had out there, uh, attorneys that I had contacts with. And even people that funded venture capitalists that, that would reject some of these opportunities, so they passed them my way. But interestingly enough, it was through Vistage. There was a member of my group, and I could tell by the way he was operating his company that his heart was not in it anymore. So I approached him personally, and uh, he said, yeah, I, I'm willing to sell the company. I'm interested. And, and so we worked it all out over six months, and... And, uh, and, of course, I went through all, and I mentioned earlier, my fear. I, it's, it's a scary thing to go from totally comfortable, working your hours. And I, I was really, I was, I was a, almost like chairman of the board, B-O-R-E-D. I mean, huh. it, it got to that right. point where things right. went real well. I'm going to jump into the fire. I'm going to have tons of stress. And yeah. a business I knew nothing about on top of that. I had no expertise in this business. It sounds like just the thing to do, John. Now, look, we want to hear more about that. And I heard Norm chiming in with a question. we got to run to a quick break. We're going to come back, pick it up right from there. We want to hear how you bought this company. We want to hear Norm's question. We want to hear your answer, John, right after this break on Startup Nation Radio. All right, welcome back to Startup Nation Radio. We're rolling. We're rolling. We've got John Patry. He's telling us his story of his entrepreneurial journey. It's an amazing story. I know many of you out there who are either working for another company or, or on your way out of a company or out of a job, whatever it may be, you're thinking about transitioning to entrepreneurship. That's what this show is all about. Norm Pappas and I are here to bring it to you, and we've got a great guest. Norm, you had a question when we went to the break or comment, and we want to get you right in here. So, Norm, uh, the floor is yours. So the business that John bought was a client of mine, so I knew him well, and I knew his finances. And sometimes when you're buying a business or selling a business, the seller always wants to get more money. And I would tell the seller, if you give good terms, 
then you could get your price. And I would talk to John. If you get good terms, you could pay a little bit more. But John was very successful because you get ups and downs when you're trying to buy a business or sell it. But he was successful in making it happen. And he has turned this business into something more than what it was. And he could tell you that. So, John, I don't know if you remember those days. I definitely remember those days. It's a scary thing when you go through. There's a lot of expenses to do the due diligence, understand the business. It's both personal time as well as getting attorneys involved. The seller can change their mind. There's no contract that says, you must sell to me now that I'm talking to you. So they can at the 11th hour or at the midnight, one minute before midnight, say, I'm changed my mind, I'm not selling. What was helped, and then vice versa, I understand from Norm, because he knew the seller as well, he felt the same way, worried that the buyer might change their mind at the last minute. So it was great to have Norm in the middle there, uh, reassuring both of us that this deal was going to happen. Amazing. So tell us, what is this company you purchased? What is it? What do you do? We're a bunch of electrical engineers, master electricians, NIDA and calibration technicians and programmers that help large organizations that either produce power or consume power uh, keep, keep their control and their power safe and reliable. I mean, you can imagine a hospital. We can't lose power here, guys. So we maintain all that infrastructure or a big commercial building like the Renaissance building in Detroit, Metro Airport, the big client of ours, University of Michigan, um, uh, Michigan State's a big client of ours. You know? So these organizations and a lot of water waste water facilities, they cannot have downtime. So their power and that all a complex electrical infrastructure has to be maintained. That's mostly what we do. And that company is called UIS Corporation. UISCorp.com is where you can find out more if you're curious to learn more about what John is doing. Now, John, it begs the question. I mean, here you are doing this. It's pretty esoteric stuff. Did this line up with your background? You know, did you know something about this before you got into it? One thing I did while looking for acquiring a business is I laid a list of things that were critical to what I thought would be. Because I did, a, I did that, some of that in my previous career. And I knew I had enough experience to know what are the ingredients that makes a good company and and one of the ones that you may want to not be involved with. And so one of them was making sure it had some type of technical skill that wasn't easy to replicate. So there couldn't be a lot of competitors right away the moment I acquired it. And uh, this business had that unique characteristic. So I had that on the list. And even though I didn't know that technical side, I understood business very well. And I knew the expertise existed within the 23 employees that were there when I acquired it. So as long as I didn't lose those 23 employees, I knew that I would be okay. And that's a scary thing, too, when you acquire a company. There's nothing that says they can't just turn around and say, we don't like you. We're going to go do our own thing. So these are all things that are scary when you first acquire it. John, I've got to know, you you opened this, uh, whatever you want to call it, can of worms, Pandora's box, whatever. You said you had a list. And on that list were the things that had to be met in order for you to buy the company. You gave us number one. It had to have some unique uh, or uh, esoteric um, skill sets that, uh, that the company possessed or had to possess in order to be in that business, in order to keep competition out, right? Barrier to competition. That's why that was, right? Right. But right. but there was more than one thing on your list. We got to hear at least two more. Come on. Well, one of them is my wife said, it's got to be close to the house. I couldn't move. <laughs> there we go. All right. So there's one. You had to be close proximity. She didn't want you getting on a plane every day and going off to the office or driving long distances, right? Right. I don't have the patience to deal with a business-to-consumer business. It has to be a business-to-business. Uh, business for me. That's my nature. That's my experience. 
had to be in that in those fields. That's another one. I'll give you one, Jeff. John kept key people there, and uh, the people actually loved John. And um, you also had a situation where, you know, he had a theme. They have to keep people safe. I say he doesn't, he prevents people from becoming electrocuted, but he does big uh, company activities and safe activities. You can imagine electric power is dangerous, so you've got to handle it carefully. We deal with high voltage up to 300,000 volts, so it can be dangerous, yeah. So, John, tell us about the status of the company when you bought it, kind of versus where it is today now that you've gotten a hold of it and, as Norm mentioned, grown it. It's been an amazing journey. In the beginning, obviously, we took on an enormous amount of debt, and uh, we had 23 employees, and over it's been 10 years since then. Now we're 75 employees. We bought another uh, location, just only a lot slower than Ray Kroc, but uh, we're in Dayton, <laughs> Ohio now, and we're, yeah. we're looking at expanding so Chicago, Indianapolis, and a lot of other cities. And uh, so it, it's exciting for us. And, and so, yeah, the journey is 23 to 75, and now we've taken care of all our debt. We're debt-free. It's a lot of fun. And when you mentioned you had a lot of debt when you bought it, the company had debt already that you assumed, or are you saying you had to go into debt, in effect, to buy the business? Yeah, the second case there. You know, I, I took every single dollar I had, borrowed, whatever. I mean, I was leveraged to the max. And that's what I was saying, the scary step. And it's, a lot of people talk about starting their own business, but that's a scary step to know that you're throwing everything you've earned in your entire career at 51 years old into this thing. And if it doesn't work out, oh, that's going to be painful. And that is a major driver for a great entrepreneur. There's no failing. And, and as, as Gerte said, there's magic and commitment, right? Once you were in, once you were committed and you were on the hook for all that debt and everything else, there was no room for failure. It'll keep you focused, right? That's for sure. Lots of long days, long hours to make sure that eh, all the T's are crossed, I's are dotted, and the people are engaged, and the processes are working, and we're networking to grow it. All those things were very important. All right, now look, you've gone now from working for somebody else, in effect, running the company, but still no less working for somebody else, to owning your own company. You finally fulfilled your dream. We've got two minutes left in this segment. I wish we had two hours left, but in the time we have left, just kind of sum it up for us. Was it a good decision? Are you happy being an entrepreneur? Is this the right life for you, et cetera? Well, it's so easy to say it now, 10 years later, when it's been successful. You know, I'm sure not everyone can. It's been extraordinarily successful for me to go through this transition, to go from the stress from corporate life, because corporate life, brings all kinds of stresses and demands that sometimes seem unreasonable. And, of course, entrepreneurship has no stress, right? <laughs> yeah, then you transition to a lot of debt stress. That's the biggest stress, in my opinion. And now that's gone, so there's a lot less stress being an entrepreneur than there is being in the corporate life, in my opinion, because especially if you're really wired to want to control everything, and that's my nature. I like to control on my environment. And you control it a lot better as an entrepreneur than you can controlling it as a as an executive. So that, that was the uh, really nice today. I'm, I would say, even though there is stress being an entrepreneur, it's healthy stress. It's a lot of fun and it gets you up energized on doing certain things. That's what's fun about entrepreneurship. You know what I love? I love the pep in your step, metaphorically speaking, you know, I can hear it in your voice. You sound like a kid, you know, you sound like you're loving what you're doing. You're in control. It's your baby. You've cleared the debt. Now it's about growth and see how far you can take this thing. It's as you say, it's fun to get up in the morning uh, and go to, and quote unquote go to work. Uh, it, it's just great, Norm. Yeah. 
Norm, you told me we had a great guest today, and John, you were right. I think he tells a story that many people, you know, wonder about and think about and and uh, are curious about, certainly. And, wow, it's a great story. Great story, Norm. And one other thing, he was able to become a very good tennis player by owning his own company. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, follow your hobbies. Well, I mean, and there's some truth to that. You, what you did own is you owned your schedule, you know, and I think to Norm's point, you probably could once you – got over that hump of, you know, running every day on fear, you could start to reap some of the benefits of being an entrepreneur and owning your own company, and that is to be able to manage your own schedule and play tennis at 10 a.m. or 1 p.m. or as Norm does from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. every day. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, not quite, but I will tell you, right. he also has the opportunity to bring the next generation into this business and have it continue. That's exciting. Hey, John, we got to run along. We, as I say, I wish we had a couple of hours, but God, your story's great. Thanks for being on and sharing it with everyone. Uh, continued great success. Good luck. Happy for you. Congratulations, my friend. Thanks for having me. All right, we'll be back with another entrepreneur telling his story right after this break on Startup Nation Radio. Stick with us. All right, welcome back to Startup Nation Radio, brought to you, as always, by Pappas Financial. And as we had in the first uh, interview segment with a great entrepreneur, and we really thank John Patry for being on. Now we roll right into another great story. Norm, you've been very, very instrumental and, and, and really successful, frankly, in bringing on these great guests. How do you do it, Norm? You know everybody, and you know the good ones. You've got another good one for us uh, for the next two segments on Startup Nation Radio. Introduce us to Mike, if you would, Norm. Sure. Mike Kashubsky has a great story, great company. I've used the services in this COVID environment we have. He actually goes in and brings services, medical, to patients, to clients. He can explain it better than I, but he is a very good entrepreneur. And, uh, Mike, I'll let Jeff ask you the specific questions. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, good to have you on, Mike. Uh, your company is Home Team Mobile Diagnostics. Uh, welcome to Startup Nation Radio. Great to have you on, Mike. Uh, so tell thanks. us tell us about this business. You've been around since 2013, is it? How did you, where did this idea, you, did you start the business or you bought a business to grow? How did it, what's the genesis? Yep, no, this is a pure startup business. And uh, it's it's a little bit of a, of a niche. It's something that uh, people, most most people, including physicians, don't know exists. We do portable x-ray, ultrasound, and echocardiograms, but we do them in, we can do them in your living room. We can do them at a nursing home. We can do them at an assisted living facility. Um, and so we really are bringing the diagnostic service to the patient's bedside um, throughout the state of Michigan. And, um, yeah, this was a pure startup in 2013, and I was aware of, uh, of a model that was out there. And, and uh, you know, like every entrepreneur thought I could do it a little bit different and, and make it more patient-focused and, and really expand the service to, you know, a geriatric population or a patient recovering outside of the traditional health systems. And uh, that was the catalyst of, of really getting into it. Uh, I brought on a partner um, early on in the business who have had 30 years experience in the mobile world and I have 33 years in healthcare and between the two of us um, I came up with a unique approach and, and, and got right into it. And so let me ask you about the business model. You're offering an alternative to a service that you otherwise get in a doctor's office or in the hospital environment which, which of course forces the patient to go to the facility as opposed to you 
bringing the service to the patient. Is the payment flow and everything else basically the same as it would be as if I were visiting the office, or is there an added cost to the consumer using the service? Or tell us about the business model. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The the cost is actually less. Um, you know, we're we're um, fully covered by everybody's medical insurances, so we do a lot of Medicare patients. Obviously, since it's a geriatric, um, you know, um, population that we're servicing mostly, they're homebound or you know have lack of access to being able to get to that fixed site facility. Um, but the the cost is is far less than going into a fixed site facility or into a health system, and that's you know that's one of the advantages from a patient standpoint. Their copay is lower, um, and and so that helps them out. Um, but the, it, it's really it's the convenience and the ability for a patient to have it done on their time, unless it's a stat. Um, but if it's a if it's a routine exam. You know, we can show up Sunday morning after, you know, um, breakfast. We can show up, you know, late in the evening. We run 24-7, 365. So um, we're really there to accommodate a patient's needs. At the same time, deliver the, you know, high quality that they would normally get in a hospital setting um, to that patient um, anywhere. And, and so over time... Um, it's, it's lower cost for the whole health system. It's better convenience for the patient. And we really saw a lot of this in this, in this COVID situation where a lot of facilities shut down. The hospitals had a ton of overflow. And so it was hard to get in. Um, we would just, we, we, we partner with hospitals and physicians and the facilities to extend that service in. And we were able to help patients get their, um, exams done without them ever exposing themselves into one of those fixed site facilities. So I got to say, uh, let, let me ask one question first, any one more piece of information that I'll make the comment. But the question I'm going to ask is, do you have to have any kind of special need in order to qualify for the service or can anyone use this service instead of going to the facility and still get reimbursement, you know, insurance coverage, et cetera? Yeah. So from a uh, from a ultrasound and echocardiogram line, there is no special designation. We could, you know, we can take that, you know, right from the physician and go into any setting. On the X-ray line, you have to be homebound, which means you're either in a home care setting or you're at an assisted living facility or in a, in a um, skilled nursing facility. And your physician really makes that decision. So we're we're physician dictated. So if uh, if your physician determines that that you qualify for homebound service then obviously we can take care of that we 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 also do um concierge so uh individuals that uh we have that um prefer to have the exam done and just private pay for it um we're able to accommodate that also and that's more of a convenience concierge especially like for a mobile physician group that is you know, treating executives as they're treating individuals that are looking for that service. How many employees did you start with when you first got started to where are you today? So, so I actually have these pictures. We were just, we were doing a legends and lore, um, you know, kind of wall for the staff. Um, and, and so we came across on day one, I had two vehicles, two pieces of equipment, two employees, 5,000 square feet and no, no clients. And, uh, and so it, we, I look back at those pictures and kind of chuckled. 
Um, seven years later, we're doing uh, 27,000 patients a year. We're 38 employees. We have a satellite in Grand Rapids. We have 20 vehicles. We have fantastic staff. You know, all, all business lines, you know, they're all certified um, uh, technicians, so x-ray, ultrasound, um, echocardiogram, all certified. Um and uh, and yeah, so it's it's growing it's growing good. We continue to 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 grow, and as we uh, we get the word out that this is actually a service that exists, we expect that to continue. That's really great. You know, Norm, you framed Mike as a great entrepreneur, and clearly, I'm, I'm sure he is. But the interesting thing when I hear this story is that Mike, one of the one of the aspects of you being a great entrepreneur is that this is a this just sounds like a great business. I mean, let's start with. The convenience associated with the service you're offering, and and the and the fact that it costs less, and 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 the fact that it's you know your revenues come from insurance coverage lar- largely, or you mentioned the concierge aspect of it also. But uh, this is an amazing business model, and you framed it as a niche, Mike. It seems like uh, w- w- what about the competition? I mean, uh, what a natural this business is. Yeah, we, yeah. There's you know we like every business we have competitors out in the marketplace and and you know it it's really it it's a niche. I call it a niche because um, the industry for years has been developed around skilled nursing facilities. It's it's the model of you were discharged from the hospital, you went to a skilled nursing, and then you stayed there as either a resident or you had long term care, and and rather than transporting you back and forth. It, um, it really um, allowed for this service to take place there. Over the last seven years, and one of the reasons why we wanted to get into the market like we did with our model, is we recognized the shift in um, patients recovering outside of those arenas. So you saw a lot of startup with home cares, and you've seen a lot of mobile physician groups, and you've seen as the population ages, and as, you know, I call it the three generation convenience kids want convenience you know baby boomers want convenience and the elderly population want convenience but they don't want to sacrifice quality and they don't want to sacrifice their care and so so now moving into that market um you know that five percent of people we talk to have no idea they could have an x-ray done in their living room absolutely no clue about it right and so it's going to take some time you know, to get that word out and to get people comfortable with it and, and making sure that they remember it's always about the patient first. It's always about delivering the highest quality to them. And it's also about, you know, when you transport a patient or when you're having to go around, you have, you know, a certain amount of um, exposure. We're here at Limited. So, um, you know, that's, that's why I call it a niche. And that's why I think, you know, as time goes on, it'll pick up. I think it's really exciting. You clearly have a great command of it, and, and, and Norm has you on the show because of your success. We're going to run to a quick break. When we come back, I want to focus maybe less on the hardcore business story and more just on some of life as an entrepreneur for you, some of the challenges, some of the surprises, uh, you know, and kind of where your ambition is going to lead you uh, with this business. So stick with us on Startup Nation Radio. We'll be right back after this break. All right, welcome back to Startup Nation Radio. We're rolling right along. Great show. Norm Pappas, you brought out the A-team today. We've got some great entrepreneurs telling their stories of how they, in one case, bought a business and grew it successfully. And now, in this case, Mike uh, Kroshipsky is telling us how he grew a business. He started it right from the ground up. Business has been around since 2013. 
meeting with great success. Norm, you had a question I know you wanted to uh, get to Mike to kick this off, this segment. Yeah, Mike, it's always interesting how do people get to where they're at. What were you doing before you had this idea, and what made you make the leap? You know, prior to this, Norm, I was uh, I was actually working for a health system. I was there from mid-'80s to uh, 1997, and then I got into from '97 to 2009. I was doing a lot of business startup consulting, and I was working with, you know, um, organizations to launch businesses. Um, 2009, I had an opportunity to go uh, work at an organization to – um, uh, decide with the private equity firm what they wanted to do with it. And I met my partner, who happened to be the president of the company at that time, and similar business, um, that company had sold and, uh, and didn't get an opportunity to acquire it at that time and thought, huh, I, I wonder, if, uh, wonder if I could do this better and, and could I create a better patient experience and could I, um, you know, deliver this in a manner, um, you know, to go up against, you know, at what, what became a national competitor with a 84% market share in the state of Michigan, I, you know, thought, huh, let's make it hard on ourselves and, and uh, got into it at that point in time. Mike, your business is Home Team Mobile Diagnostics. Was this your first foray into entrepreneurship and your first uh, opportunity and, and experiences owning a business on your own? No, I say over the over the years, I've had a number of different businesses that I was in and out of. Um, you know, partial partial owner. A couple of them I had launched myself. You know, um, interesting. You know, just past. You know, um, of just you know seeing an opportunity and jumping into it. Especially once I left the corporate life. Um, you know, it was really. You know, it was really something I always wanted to do, and and to challenge myself to see if I could create something from a whiteboard. Mm-hmm. And um, and that was that was fun. Um, it comes with a whole bunch of unexpected challenges and a lot of gray hair and a lot of sleepless nights. And um, you know, trying to explain to somebody how it's Thursday and you got a payroll due on Friday and you're waiting for the check from the client to get there Friday morning to make payroll is uh, hard to explain to somebody until you live that. It is. It is indeed. A lot of pressure comes with that. So. Here, here you are. You've got this business you started in 2013, and um, as we mentioned to our audience in the last segment, you know you now find yourself in the position of having to take care of a staff and having to deliver a good service and um, having both the privilege of being an entrepreneur and running your own business, but also having the you know the, the challenges and stress and uh, pressure that comes with it. What were some of the you know biggest surprises to you about this entrepreneurial journey? Uh, did anything jump out at mind that, you know, was something unexpected or unusual or something that you weren't prepared to confront? Yeah, I think, you know, I think the biggest surprise was um, when you left the corporate environment, you were used to picking up the phone and mm-hmm. calling the IT department and having them pick, you know, pick something or the accounting department, or you had, you had resources, you had resources that were relatively available for you to be able to just walk down the hall and get an answer. And as an entrepreneur, you're on an island. You have friends and family which might or might not have the skill set to, to chime in. And you really find yourself, and I call it the lonely nights of being an, a business owner. It's sitting up at night and playing devil's advocate with yourself. And, mm-hmm. and that was a surprise. 
uh, early on when I when I first started getting into you know owning a business, and it's it's interesting that you know you even today in all the years that I've been in business, even today I get surprised with stuff. And you know this COVID is a great example sure. of navigating through uncharted territory, being a healthcare company with the feds, the CDC, the state, the county, everybody with different set of rules, and trying to digest that. Um, all at once, and really what what I found out early on in order to be successful is have great set of mentors and have a great bandwidth of people that you can rely on for honest feedback or just to be able to sit down and bounce ideas off. And, you know, I've, I've met Norm through a, a group that we participate in, and there's 18 individuals, all different businesses. And, and if you become a sponge, you listen you read, you know, you keep up to date, you don't go industry specific, you take aspects from everywhere, you can navigate it through, but um, you got to build that in order to be successful because without those resources, it's very difficult to navigate. That's interesting. You know, I, I Norm, I'll bet you know those nights uh, that Mike referred to. I know them too, all too well. Uh, you know, the, the obviously there's a lot of appeal to being an entrepreneur and certainly a lot of reward. What gets lost sometimes is a little bit about what happens behind the scenes. You know, what goes on behind the scenes that don't really, you know, people aren't that aware of. I mean, all the, you know, the the pride of ownership and the flexibility of schedule and the ability to make a lot of money and all those things are the, you know, the calling cards to entrepreneurship, obviously. But it's it can be stressful. And you've got to be, as you just said, Mike, you've got to be so resourceful. You never know what's coming next. Who could have predicted the COVID crisis? And uh, you know, these are the kinds of things you need to be able to navigate. Yeah, it's an all-in experience, and you can hear that from Mike. You can hear it from John. And uh, you want to be in business for yourself. There are great rewards, but you do need to commit. And uh, there are great ways to do well by doing good, and both of these uh, stories do great things for people. So there's a mission that is behind them, and particularly with COVID for Mike. And Norm, that's a that's a great um, you know that's a great point. The mission and the reason why you go into the business is really fuels um, you know the passion to continue to grow. You know, I I tell everybody every night I go home and I have 38 families that rely on me to make the right decision so that they can stay employed and they can continue to do their vacations and pay their health care and continue to have their kids and and spouses you know um, do what they want to do, and that's a that's a rewarding thing to be able to to navigate through and and be able to um, experience that. On the flip side of it, you know, as you were talking the sleepless nights, a lot of times, you know, the the face that you have on sitting at the office is different from me sitting at home talking to my wife, going, "Oh my gosh, how am I going to navigate through this?" Um, or this unexpected expense, or this, you know, this major decision on how to do something. And, and so, you know, I, I don't ever want to undervalue the, you know, the, your partner in life to be able to um, chime in and help support as well, because there's a certain amount of stress that goes not only to your spouse, um, but also, in, in my case, I have a 23-year-old son that, you know, he's very in tune to, you know, when dad has a, a uh, heavy decision on his mind. So you gotta, you gotta remember that piece. That's an emotional toll that 
once again, you were asking about the unexpected stuff. So, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're so used to just plowing through and doing it on your own. And, and that was really something that I had to stop, take a breath and realize, hmm, I got other people that actually, you know, this affects as well. You know, that's a really good point. And entrepreneurs need to be aware of that. You know, a lot of people say, I want to be an entrepreneur because I, I want to be able to control my own schedule. I want more time with my family and all the rest. But along the way, you know, you're, you're preparing and you're building and you're working toward that goal. But in many ways, uh, the opposite happens. You know, you're, you're consumed by your business and the focus you need to put into it. And it takes you away from your family and puts more demands on you. So people need to be aware uh, there is, you know, there is a price to pay in this glamorous, glitzy world of entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship, that's for sure. Well, Mike, your story's incredible. Your business is incredible. We really thank you. wish we had more time, but uh, we, we've run out of it. Uh, Norm, great show. Great guest. Mike, again, thank you. Congratulations and uh, continued good luck and best wishes for your business. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. Yeah, thanks so much for being on. Good stories. Uh, great, great story. So that's uh, that's it for today's edition of Startup Nation Radio. We'll be back next week with another great Startup Nation Radio show. We'll see you then. The preceding program was furnished by Startup Nation Media Group.